Good morning. Today is Wednesday, December 15th, 2021. At almost every stage where Yosef has a dramatic encounter in his life, Yosef weeps. Yosef cries. The Torah tells us seven different times that Yosef weeps. When the brothers come to him in Egypt for the first time, he recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. The Torah says he turned away from them and he wept. The second time they came with Binyamin, and now he's seeing Binyamin for the first time in many years. The Torah says Yosef had to excuse himself and he wept. After Yehuda gives his famous speech in last week's Parsha, and Yosef is about to disclose his identity, he cannot control himself anymore. He tells everyone else to leave the room. And he made himself known and he wept. And immediately after he discloses his identity, he throws his arms around his brothers and he kissed them and he wept. When he sees his father again, he's reunited with his father after many, many years, he weeps. And about 17 years later, when his father dies, Yosef wept. And then finally, the seventh time is sometime after his father's death, near the end of our Parsha Vayechi, near the end of the book of the uh, of the book of Bereshis, excuse me. After the brothers saw that their father had died and they had taken him back to bury him, and now they had come back, and now the brothers were worried, and we've discussed this before. Because maybe it's one thing Yosef said, don't worry, you'll be okay, while their father was alive. But now their father is not alive, and they are afraid of what Yosef might do to them in retribution for the terrible things they did to him. And Yosef is in a position of control, second in command to the most powerful nation in the world. And he has good reason to be upset with them. And they say to him, and this is a really interesting subject by itself, they said to him, our father said before he died, make sure that you take care of your brothers and don't do anything bad to them. It's interesting, the commentators point out, we don't have within the text of the Torah, Yaakov actually saying that. So it could be that Yaakov said it and uh, it's just not recorded in the Torah, or it could be that the brothers kind of uh, asserted it to Yaakov. Maybe he would have said it or he might have said it, uh, but they said it because they were afraid. And when, even at this late date, Yosef's brothers ask him for forgiveness and worry about how he will treat them, Yosef weeps. Nobody cries as much as Yosef. Esau wept, yes, when he discovered Yaakov took his bracha. Yaakov wept when he saw 
the love of his life, Rachel, for the first time. Both of the brothers, Yaakov and Esav, wept when they met each other after a long estrangement. Yaakov wept when he heard that his favorite son, Yosef, had been killed. Yes. But no one has a parallel to Yosef who weeps seven different times in the Torah and with the full expression of emotion each time. Weeping from painful memory, weeping from the joy of reunion. And then there are very complex tears before he discloses his identity to his brothers and after he discloses his identity. And then the tears of bereavement when his father Yaakov passes away. But the most interesting tears are the last. When he sheds tears, when he hears that his brothers still fear that he will punish them for what he has done. Rav Aaron Lichtenstein wrote a very important essay called Yosef's Tears on this subject. And he suggests that this last act of weeping is an expression of the price that Yosef pays for the realization of his dreams and his elevation to the position of power. Because remember, Yosef literally dreamed of being in power and dreamed of being in control, having control over his brothers. He literally dreamed of that. And it came true. And it was for good reason. He is able to sustain them through this famine because of his position of power. And at this point, after Yaakov has died, Yosef has done everything he possibly could do to care for his brothers. He feeds them. He gave them refuge, not only refuge, but a place of honor in Egypt, a place to live, a way to make a living. How many times can he keep saying, I don't bear any grudge against you. I'm not upset with you. In our Parsha, he repeats the sentiment that he, repeat, that he said in last week's Parsha, which we discussed before. He says, don't be distressed. Don't be angry with what you did. It was God's plan. God saved me, sent me here in order to save lives. It was not you who sent me here. It was God in order to bring about the situation that I would be in a position to save not only the whole empire from famine, but to be able to save you, my family. And after all that, near the end of his life, all these years later, his brothers still fear him. And they fear that he may seek their harm. And when Yosef realizes this, he weeps. And this is what Rav Lichtenstein says. At this moment, Yosef discovers the limits of raw power. Right? Because Yosef had raw power. 
we often think if you have power, you can get whatever you want. But it's not true. There are limits to raw power. He discovers the extent to which the human connection, the personal connection, the family connection hold far more value and importance than does power. Yosef weeps over the weakness inherent in power. Because again, power can get people to listen to you but power cannot achieve that people will trust you or love you again. He weeps over the terrible price that he has paid for it. His dreams have indeed been realized. But the tragedy remains just as real, the tragedy of the estrangement, of the lack of trust, remains. The torn shreds of the family have not been made completely whole. On the surface, Yosef holds all the power. His family are entirely dependent on him, but at a deeper level, he still yearns for their acceptance, their recognition, their closeness, their trust. And with all his power, his brothers still don't believe him. They don't trust him. Ironically, even though it was they who harmed him so terribly. Rob Lichtenstein's powerful insight reminds us that Judaism as a whole, the Torah as a whole, is a sustained critique of power. Now, until the Mashiach comes, we cannot do without power. Consider the tragedies the Jews suffered in the centuries in which we lacked it. Consider what would happen if even, God forbid, for a single moment, our military might in Israel was halted, God forbid. And Yosef needed power. He needed power in order to be able to save his family and the rest of the empire. But here's the truth. Power alienates. It breeds suspicion and distrust. It diminishes those it is used against and it diminishes those who use it. Even Yosef HaTzadik, Yosef the Righteous, weeps when he sees the extent to which power sets him apart from his brothers. He is not one of them. Judaism is about an alternative social order which depends not on power, but on love and loyalty and the mutual responsibility created by covenant. Power may be a necessary evil, but it is an evil. And the less we need of it, 
the better. The truth is, pursuing power, wanting power, is ubiquitous in the human condition. So many of us pursue power in so many different ways. At work. In community involvement. That I should be able to tell you what to do. That I should be able to determine what you have to do. In Israel today, a military power. Which, Nebuch, we certainly need and of which we can be very proud. We tried to amass power through money, through visible possessions. We tried to amass power through physical strength, through physical appearance, through popularity, through celebrity. In so many ways, we utilize power for our own self-worth, for our own self-identity. But power will never be as strong as love. And when we understand this, with this lesson, the book of Bereshis, the first of the five books of the Torah, Genesis, is complete. My friends, I want to wish you a great day. And I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.